Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to, I think this is episode number six of our brand new podcast, Building a Life and Business Together. My name is Cliff Ravenscraft. I'm Stephanie Ravenscraft. And we are going to begin our four-month-long coverage of chapter two of the book, The Big Leap. Actually, I think at lunch I said it was going to be a year. (laughs) We have already began... We have began, is that right? Or we have uh, already begun, begun deliberation on what topic or topics we will cover once we complete the big leap. Yes. And one of them we have tossed around this idea of going through this, what's called the laundry list, which is something that um, is a part of, I think it's called, out or no, it's called, oh, Children of Alcoholics. No, adult children of alcohol. No. Yeah. Adult children of alcoholics and dysfunctional families. Right. Which I have not been a part of, but uh, boy, if I was a younger guy, I think I might have benefited from being a part of (laughs) said said program. But anyway, there's this laundry list a client of mine shared, and he says, you know, there are these 14 items. He goes, you know, and, and there are several people who, if you are an adult child, of an alcoholic or come from a dysfunctional family, it's not unlikely for you to have a, you know, a few of these. And he says, I read the laundry list and I had 13 and a half of them. <laughs> and I loved his half. Yes. You know, so yes. anyway, I'm not going to suggest, I'm not going to say who that was. It was shared in our mastermind group in, in the confines of that. But anyway, I was interested. I wonder what's on this laundry list. And Stephanie and I have, have gone through this list individually to look at it and it's like maybe we'll talk about that we each have some stories of dysfunctional family backgrounds and i had a father biological father who was an alcoholic alcoholic and drug addict my entire lifetime from the time i was a kid until he passed away in 2015 so anyway that's a that's a potential topic for after the big leap it is and you've asked me um if i would be willing to share my personal journey of um, my trip to Colorado in uh, 2012. And um, I said, yes, but at lunch today, I told you I didn't have to worry about that for like a year because that's how long it's going to take us to cover the big leap. At the rate you're taking notes, McKenna might be graduating college before (laughs) we finish this book. We'll see how it goes. So my question for you, have you done the reading preparation for today's conversation? Why would you ask me that? I'm just making sure because I haven't been here. Uh, You and I went to lunch about an hour and a half ago. We got back and at lunch you had not read and i knew that you were you know that i had said hey you don't have to read the entire chapter because well i've already know i already know how much we're covering and it's just the first few pages here's the section and i assumed that you probably read it but i'm just asking it's it's not it's not why wouldn't of, i read it i was just making sure did you read it yes all right awesome stephanie and to help my brain i read it like less than 30 minutes ago awesome Okay, well, let's continue on our coverage of The Big Leap. We're starting right now with Chapter 2. Part 1 is what we'll call this. Now, the chapter is titled Making the Leap. And to be able to make the leap, the, I guess, subtitle for the chapter is Dismantling the Foundation of the Problem. All right, so the first quote here. There is something important you should know about the upper limit problem. 
when you attain higher levels of success, you often create personal dramas in your life that cloud your world with unhappiness and prevent you from, with dramas that prevent you from enjoying your enhanced success. This upper limit problem, this is the upper limit at problem at work. And then he said, gives for example, you want to read the for example? If you make more money, your upper limit problem may kick in and create a situation that causes unhappiness, ill health, or something else that blocks your enjoyment of your enhanced money supply. So I know that I have experienced this many times in my life. Um, And sometimes I don't know that I was consciously aware of it until much after the fact. And and I'm go- I'm going to use the for example money thing, but this is not this upper limit problem is not related only to money, but money thing is is an issue that uh, had come up many times in my journey of starting this business. So there was a time when I'm like, oh my gosh, if I could only get our business income to ten thousand dollars a month, that would be the holy grail. I know I would, (laughs) I said to myself, I know I will finally be able to experience peace once my business is generating a minimum of $10,000 a month consistently. I know that I'll finally no longer have to worry about money when my business gets to $10,000 a month uh, minimum every single month. Now, when I was saying that, I was averaging between $4,000 to $6,000 per month in monthly income in the business. Now, that's not how much personal income I was bringing. That's how much the business was coming was coming in. And I just thought, you know, it'd, it'd be nice to be able to pay more than the absolute bare minimum to survive as a family uh, with what I've got going on here. But I, I said to myself, man, if I could ever get to $10,000 a month and do that consistently... Wow, that's when I will finally be happy. That's when I'll finally be able to have all this peace and and I'll be rid of all this anxiety. And you know what? It wasn't true. (laughs) No, I can't imagine that it was. What I have learned is that if you cannot experience peace, if you cannot experience anxiety-free living, stress-free, free living and if you cannot be happy with three to four thousand dollars a month or four to six thousand dollars a month or having almost no income whatsoever in a given month in your business in fact if you can't be at peace if the global world shuts down because of coronavirus and you can't make payroll because your entire business platform has been dismantled from the outside, if you can't experience peace and joy and happiness, it doesn't matter how much money you make, none of that money will actually ever make you happy. That's the first thing that I learned. Do you have any thoughts on that, Stephanie? You don't have to. I don't think I do. I mean, I don't think I do, but Aside from the beliefs that I believe money will never make you happy. Like, so. Well, that's just so it. That's just it. Yeah. That, that's the first thing that I want to say is, is that if for me, the faulty thinking was that I will finally be it's able like to be happy. depending on other people for your happiness. Yep. Good grief. 
So now the thing is though, is that was my mindset. That was my belief. My belief was when I experience this much income, I will finally be happy. Now, because I lived by that formula, it took a while to <laughs> learn that, okay, for me to get different results than what I'm currently experiencing week after week, month after month, I pretty much have to change my behaviors. <laughs> I, have to, I have to change what I'm doing. If I, want, if I want different results, I can't keep doing the same things. And, and over time, I learned the value of shutting down things that are the most profitable things I'm currently working on. But even though they're incredibly profitable, they're the largest stream of revenue in my business, there are also things that are not scalable. They're time-consuming and all this other stuff. So what happened was there was a very real shift early on. I think this was late 2009, early 2010. And I shut down all equipment sales for two months, maybe three. Anyway, I shut down all, and that was bringing in at that time three to five thousand dollars a month every given every single month consistently, and it was my it was pretty much a majority of my income, and I was putting in about sixty or seventy hours a week. Do you remember a certain holiday at my mom and dad's house? It was I think Christmas, and my cell phone ring, and what happened that time? Do you know what time I'm talking about? Instantly, not instantly. We were standing in the foyer of my mom and dad's house. It was Christmas. My cell phone rang, and it was somebody from the internet who just did a Google search, saw my name, dialed the phone number, and right then and there, I was giving them an equipment consultation. I do not remember that. You don't remember that? No, although I'm sure I could thank that person for being the reason I can never call you and get through. (laughs) Well, this was my fault. So, I cre- It was. You posted your personal I, number. I created this. I used to, I say that I, I don't care a whole lot about SEO, but I did know about SEO. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I did was put in my meta tags. The meta description was Cliff Ra- or podcast equipment, a podcast consultant you can call right now. And it had my phone, my cell phone number right there. And calls came in around the clock and I would give free equipment consultations with the hopes that a a good portion of those people would buy their equipment from me or at least use my affiliate links. And that's where I was generating all that revenue. But I was available pretty much all the time. And I didn't ever want to miss a call, you know, And, and so that's why on Christmas break, I'm sitting there answering a phone call and, 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 you know, it, it, I, I, it made an, it made an impact on me. So well, anyway. being self-employed, do you have a Christmas break unless you're intentional about it? Like you have to set those parameters. You have to set those boundaries. And that's not something that you had done. It is definitely not something that I had done or that we had done. So what happened was, let's just say it was 2010 for the sake of argument or for the sake of the conversation. It, it doesn't really matter how ac- accurate the dating is. But I was generating significantly more income and I was doing far less work to generate that income. So much so that let's just say it is the seventh of the month or the ninth of the month. So if it's July 9th, for example, and I look at how much revenue has just been brought in. And this is like over, this is on the profit side of things. You know, this is after any of my costs. The, the revenue that I just brought in on the ninth of the month is $11,000. 
So that means that here I am, it's the ninth of the month, we're not even halfway through the month, and I've already generated more than what I need. And what I found that I did over and over again was pretty much take it easy, little vacation, little holiday for a a good two and a half weeks. It's like, you know what? Smooth sailing. It's smooth sailing. Let me just serve these people. I did that effectively. I did it beyond their wildest imagination. I felt good about what I was doing. But I'm going to cut it off here. And I would do that over and over again. There was, now this is a couple of years later, but there was a time when my goal was still $10,000 a month minimum in my business. And I generated twenty thousand over $20,000 in one month. I took the next two months off. Now, I didn't know it at the time, but the reason why I was doing that, by the way, it's not that, you know, oh, it, it's like I don't need the money. There's no good use for this. It's not like I had college funds all saved for my kids who are going to grow up and want to go to college. It's not like I had tons of money in my emergency fund. I mean, we had an emergency fund, but it's not that we had tons. It's not like we had lots of extra buffer and all this other stuff. It's just like, nah, I, I did... I I expect and anticipate that I should generate about $10,000 a month. That's what I feel worthy of. This, this is only in hindsight. This is what I feel worthy of. This is how much success I feel like I ought to be able to attain. I, I didn't work very hard to do what I just did. And I don't, and, and this is only after the fact, I don't think that I, I don't think that I should allow myself to continue to generate so much more money beyond what I need so easily when there are so many people around me that I know that are working harder in their jobs than I'm currently working, that hate what they're doing far more than, and the fact that I'm loving what I'm doing, and yet they're struggling to make a third of what I've already made. And because of that, I can't continue to feel good about making this money. That was my upper limit problem. And I experienced it time and time again. Okay. Yeah. So anyway, I just wanted to share that. Anyway, so if you make more money, your upper limit problem may kick in and create a situation that causes unhappiness, ill health, or something else that books your enjoyment or that blocks your enjoyment or your enhanced money supply. And for me, the the drama that I created for myself wasn't unhappiness; it was just inaction. I, 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 um, this was the goal that I've set, and I've made, I've met it. So I don't need to go any further. I don't need to do anything. It it was it was kind of the thing is though is is that looking back the responsible thing to do would have been to continue to to show I up didn't and say do work. Look back, but, I'm talking about being there in the moment. It yeah. was I, this was my goal. I've met it, and now I'm gonna you know consciously that was the story that I told myself. That's Sub, what I'm talking about. I'm yeah. not talking about hindsight. I'm not talking about subconscious. I'm talking about in the moment, being there. Yep. I've met my goal. I'm done. Yeah. But exactly, you're right. And and what I'm saying is that that was the upper limit problem 
that I was unaware of at the time. And so if you are a business owner, I encourage you to ask yourself and evaluate yourself. Matter of fact, do do yourself a favor. Go and check your tax returns for the last five years, your personal tax returns, and then look for the line that says adjusted gross income, AGI, adjusted gross income, and and look to see how similar those numbers are from year to year to year to year. When the reality, as a bit at least from a business owner perspective, those numbers could jump all over the place. And if they're not jumping all over the place, like sometimes they're three or four X times the year before, um, then then you might want to ask yourself, have I been limiting myself to this number consistently because I, I reached this number and that's what I'm comfortable with? There's a book called Secrets of the Millionaire Mind by T. Harv Ecker that talks about this upper limit problem specifically in the area of money mindset. Radically changed my life. And since then, I... <laughs> I, I have no problem at all. If if I sit here and work three days a week and I earn more than $30,000 in a single month, I have no problems at all having a, you know, creating a product or a service that'll generate another, you know, 10 or 15 or $20,000 this month on top of all of that other stuff. There's there's plenty of good use that could could uh, be made with that money. And, and I no longer put those upper limit challenges on myself. All right. Gay gave a few more examples of how the upper limit problem may show up. Uh, let's see here. The following one really resonated with me. He says, when you are sitting in your office or your living room, you feel happy and at ease. Suddenly, your mind swerves and plunges into a stream of negative thoughts. Seconds later, you're obsessing about the awful condition of the world or focusing on the dreadful color of your carpets. So, Stephanie, have I don't know that where you've ever experienced this before in your life, but has there been a time in your life where it seems like everything seems to be going incredibly well, but then out of nowhere you have a mood shift and it's unexplained? I'm sure I have unexplained mood shifts. Okay. Um, but I don't know of any time where it has plunged me into... What does he say? A stream of negative thoughts. <laughs> and I do not spend much time obsessing over the awful conditions of the world or focusing on the dreadful color of my carpets. Even though my husband chose the color of my carpets, I did not. So he can't say they're dreadful. He chose them. Um, and, and here's the thing. I have a very difficult time thinking beyond 2016 when I learned to control my state. Uh, my emotional state. Um, and even beyond that, I have a difficult time thinking beyond 2012 when I literally asked, my, asked myself every thought that I had 
I explored. I asked why. I I literally took every thought captive, which kept me from spiraling into some pretty dark places. 2012 was a year of healing for me. And and so while I'm sure I um well, I can tell you that in our old house, um the color of our carpets were dreadful. But that's because we raised three children there and the color of the carpet was no longer the original color of the carpet. But you know what I did? I said, this carpet is dreadful. I want new carpet. <laughs> I love it. And I made that happen. So um, you mentioned two things. Um, one, the, the first one I want to ask, oh, that is adorable. That is so cute. My, my phone's in the... Here, you got to... If you if you can you get do it before he moves, I know. Hold on, he me... doesn't like having his picture taken. Yeah, just obviously don't... we're talking about our dog. Who... Well, it may or may not be obvious, but oh my gosh, that's the most adorable picture ever, and I hope you get a good picture of that. What's that one? I, did you nope. act, uh, go and change it to where it's not on the two X? You just got to have it the one X, and you can crop in later. Okay. So make sure you get a good picture, because that is, that on it's on video on time lapse time lapse okay hold on this this is important to us guys pictures i, I got it yeah that's awesome yeah you, you have to share that look, look how sweet he is yeah that is so <laughs> okay, adorable so um total tangent our dog loves pillows um put this back in the drawer please yes i'm getting a um our dog our dog loves to lay on pillows and he is currently laying on cliff's couch cuddled up on top of a the blanket's not folded. It's just kind of like rolled up into a ball. And he's on the blanket and he's laying his upper half of his body on a pillow. He's laying on the side. He is absolutely adorable. We're in love with our dog. Yes, we do love our dog. All right. So, Stephanie, the one thing I want you... You said I said two things. Two things. The one thing we'll go into right now, the other one, the 2012 was your Colorado experience. It was. And that'll be the, what something we go into... In a year when we finish this in book. In a year when we finish this book. <laughs> Or who knows, maybe you might decide to sh- say, hey, you know what, let's just include it in one of these episodes. We'll see. Uh, but what you said is in 2016, you learned how to control your emotional state. Where and when, And first of all, where did you learn how to do that? And what does that look like? <laughs> I learned to do that in Dallas, Texas. <laughs> right? It was Dallas, right? It was Dallas, Texas. Anyway, um, we went to Tony Robbins' Unleash the Power Within. And... And actually, he, he it's like a whole afternoon or a whole evening or something talking about um, controlling your emotional state. And um, what was the other question? Where and what? Yeah. So, so, so yeah. Where, when, and what do you, what, what do you remember about how to control your emotional state? How does that show up for you right now? It shows up for me right now. Okay. Um, I I used this right before I used this right before I came down. Um, I told you I had the yawns, right? Yep. So um, I knew we were coming down here at three thirty to record, and probably around three o'clock, I started getting very yawny. I was like, I could totally lay down and take a nap, but I don't have time to take a nap because we're recording in thirty minutes. I have to walk the dog and you know do some my prep my prep my pre record routine. Um, the dog goes potty, then I go potty, and then, <laughs> and then we get a drink and we come down. And, um, and, uh, but I was feeling very tired. So I did some high knees. I did some, um, jumping jacks for like, they're not real jumping jacks. They're fake jumping jacks for people with bad knees because 
let's face it. Um, and so number one, you changed so your physiology. I changed my physiology. I changed um, your focus. I changed my focus being from taking a nap to to work. I, I was I'm, I'm going to work. I, it might be three thirty in the afternoon, but you know. It's time to work. It's, you know, bring it. I'm really glad you're not drinking a bang right now. Because <laughs> nothing I do matches your level when when you're on, full on, on the full stuff, uh, full <laughs> throttle. But. Um, and then language slash meaning. And then I, well, I don't know that I. I you probably didn't consciously use that language. I didn't have to consciously language. use that and think that because that was wrapped into the going to work. Well, that's that's what so, I mean. So it, it's that all, was a, it was a yeah. hey, it's time to go to work, which means for when, so so to unpack it. Even though you've already built this programming into your subconscious mind, going to take a nap. It's time to make the donuts. <laughs> going to take a nap means ah, it's me time. Me ah, time. I, I can get lay to in lay the dark. Down. I can have the fan on. I, I can, can relax. It's it's ah, re, you know, restoration of my I body. I really don't use the ah every time. I do. <laughs> like, I, 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 I don't use it verbally, but in my head, I, I actually ah. Uh, yeah. No. Um. But but so what does? But so going to work means you going know going to work. It's time I, to go I to work. I need to be. I need to be. Um. What does it More mean? More clear focused. Um, I my brain needs to be working and and on. Is there a purpose and, or a meaning to it though? Other than well, I I said I was going to work, but you know I I'm going to be clear focused. But what's the outcome? Is there is there some sort of outcome as that drives you to come down here? Say that again. Is there some sort is, of is there some sort of outcome? Like I'm going to go to work, and what that what does that mean? So if I go to for work, me going to work means means um, sharing my life, sharing my experiences, sharing um, my calling, and that is going that is going to work to me. So so and then and that and that leads to the next thing. I see your <laughs> my calling, and I know what the answer to this question is. But for the sake of the audience, my calling meaning Stephanie's calling is what my my calling is my I have the hardest time putting words into my my calling is to break people free of the expectations and and the cycles and the I don't know my favorite word is expectation so I get stuck there a lot but um to to break people free of anything that's holding them back from whatever they want to do. It doesn't matter if it's work or relationships or, you know, um, self-improvement, which is my favorite. Um, that is my calling. And if I can come down here and share this book that does not resonate with me in any way, <laughs> shape or form, but but take it and understand it and, you know, work it into my personal experience, then that's what I will do. Right, and so if it will move someone else forward. So here, so Stephanie, and and she's changed her state of being. Her state of being is: I'm tired. I have the yawns. I really could use a nap right now. Which you know, she instead she used her fo physio. She changed her physiology. She changed her focus, and that change in focus also changed the. She has meanings associated. So changing the physiology, she got some. She got her heartbeat going. She gave herself some 
some breathing that was a part of that. And of course, that changed how she feels physiology in her physiology, in her physical body. And then she changed her focus from the nap to the work that she's going to go do, which the work that she's going to go do is like, wait a second. I, I have a calling in life have, to help people set be set free from the expectations of others, from the conditioned way of seeing life and success. And, and what we do behind the microphone makes a difference in people's lives. People will be free because I'm about ready to go downstairs instead of go take a nap. Yes. Although I would be free if I went to a nap. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> So anyway, so that's what that's one of the things that we learned in 2016. Yes. At so the so un- for me, it is hard to think past that and and, and say um, I don't even remember what spiraling the spiraling the, spir- into, or plunging no. into a stream of negative thought. Yes, I don't do that. That doesn't anymore. Me- anymore. That doesn't mean that I don't have times where you know my 17 year old daughter is very nasty to me in in the morning or god forbid the afternoon when you go in to wake her up and and that i don't feel that and experience that but i don't dwell there i don't live there i take it i own it and i move on you basically dip your toe into the water of negative That's thoughts too damn cold and i'm out <laughs> exactly <laughs> you, you, there are there is no plunging there into that no plunging. stream for stephanie Which, she's been there done that yes not gonna do it anymore when we get to actually talk about colorado something that um i thought about earlier um is that i i i my body does not like cold and my physical body does not handle cold well. Like I tense up, I can't think. Like it, it really, it freezes me. I, I just don't respond to it very well. And the fact that I had such a transformational experience in the cold in February of 2012 on the top of a mountain, it, it just kind of like, I don't know. Anyway. That's awesome. Yeah. Should we call that episode Stephanie's Mountaintop Experience? I don't know what we'll call it, but we'll get there. <laughs> All right. So I, t- I, told, I said in the notes here that I really resonated with this story. Here's my own real world scenario. And I wrote this out. I'm just going to read this. Everything in my life was going incredibly well. I was over. You read like Gay Hendrix reads. What do you mean? You're not reading verbatim what you wrote. You're making up your own words as you go. I can paraphrase as I go. This is how he reads his book. I know. So if you listen to the audio book and like follow along with the physical book so that you're getting it twice, you're not getting it twice because he makes it up as it goes along. (laughs) Now, now people are, now you've outed me. All right. So, so I'm making this up as I go along using my written (laughs) (laughs) pre-dialogued script as a inspirational pad for inspirational what are you what are you looking at you want to turn the light off oh oh my gosh i can see again it's it's magic (laughs) my wife loves to sit in the dark and there is still tons of light down here i crave light i could take a picture of you without my flash there's still tons of light down here. It was putting a glare on my iPad. I couldn't Our see Our dog it. has not moved from that cute little pose. Because he is comfy. He is so adorable. Oh, my gosh. That's going to make a great Instagram post. 
Do you know that? Yes. Also, this is what he thinks of his parents at work. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> Where was I at? Let me read The very beginning. I interrupted you in the first sentence. I know. I love you. Everything in my life was going incredibly well. I was overjoyed at just how life seemed to be going. Significant process progress had been made in my business within, uh, within the business, and I was now sitting down on the couch with Stephanie to enjoy watching a favorite television show. Out of seemingly nowhere, I am overcome with an immediate sense of dread. I feel as though there is something else I should be doing rather than sitting here watching television. Feelings and emotions of laziness and the lack of self-discipline cause me to flash images in my mind of all the times that taking it easy has called significant, caused significant pains in my past. I'm no longer enjoying my time with Stephanie. Instead, I'm inside my own head, I'm becoming more and more depressed and sensing an increasing amount of fear and anxiety over the perceived fact that I am not enough and that I do not have what it takes to provide for my family. Now, I wrote in bullet points, this happened to me over and over again during the time frame uh, where I put the 90-day notice in the insurance office before before leaving the family business. So this was from September of 2007. Is that right? September 2007 to December 2007. This was my experience at least three or four day, nights a week. I would sit down on the couch and like what I'm and I'm enjoying it. I'm I'm like having the time of my life. I've gosh, I've had an incredibly successful day and I'm sitting there watching a television show with you and just something that is said by one of the characters in the TV shows or some scenario that just took place triggered some kind of something inside of me that all of a sudden made me think, what am I doing sitting here wasting my time on watching television when I could or should be doing work. You know, who, who, and and matter of fact, there was a whole train of thoughts that came along. What do you think you're doing? Leaving a responsible, high income earning career to pursue what? Your hobby? Who does this? I mean, you're, you're, you're going to be homeless, so why did you can't even and, and it's just it just went on and on and on and so it just happened several times and there are many times that I never even told you that that was going on inside of me as, as far as you knew there were I mean there were times when I would let it spiral and, and before too long it was visible on the outside and you definitely knew things were going on even if I did or did not say it um but there are many times that I was spiraling into the depths of despair without you even knowing it. And it reminds me in high school, there was this book, uh, there's a quote, is it Th- uh, Thoreau, I think? Most men lead, li- leave li- or le- lead lives of quiet desperation. Hmm. And that's what I had experienced. And the reason why is because I just didn't feel worthy of experiencing success and building a a career around something that I loved doing 
And so I felt so irresponsible and unworthy of all of that. And it's like, who do I think that I am? I, I must be so lazy. Just because you don't like your day job as much as you used to, it's just because you want to do this passion. You know, gosh, Cliff, I love I love golfing, but I'm not going to be golfing as a career. I heard people say things like that, and 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 I'm like, and they and you gave them the power of influence over you, exactly. So anyway, I I resonate with this upper limit problem deeply and and I and be, and those things were such a big deal for me that even though I'm pretty far away from those experiences today they left they left last, I've got the scars you know what I'm saying I do I the scars are there I do All right story of Lois and her relationship tr- troubles Oh poor Lois so, Stephanie, you want to read the, the outline of the notes there, or do you want to just tell it from your own perspective, since you just read it, like, an hour ago? <laughs> no, I'll read your notes. All right. Uh, Follow the script now. Don't don't you paraphrase. I won't. I can barely see the words. My readers are on the other side of the office, and I don't want to get up. Okay. Um, Lois is a wealthy businesswoman. Check. Um, she felt as though she could do just about anything other than stay married. <laughs> that's a lot of responsibility to take on yourself because relationships are two ways mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway um she cited statistics her odds of being captured by a terrorist were better than her finding love at her age i don't remember that part yeah it's okay. in there i believe you um lois was quite stubborn and clinging to her views hold on to that right there have you ever been in a coaching conversation with somebody or even have you been coached by other I'll I'll I will, I will take it out of the high horse. I will because I have seen this with my clients these days that are stubborn holding but I can't I can tell you right now there are a number of times Cliff if you could only understand what you're thinking this is not true and I'm like no this is what I know to be true. And they're like, it's not true. You're making that stuff up. Somebody's lied to you. You're believing a lie. And I'm like, no. Have you have you ever experienced clinging to your old views when somebody's trying to tell you that there's a different way or it, it doesn't have to be this way? I'm sure I have. Have you experienced it on the other side where somebody is arguing I'm, for their limitation? Yes. Yes. Um, I, I'm trying to think of a time that I would have argued for... For my own belief or in my own limiting belief or, or, um, limitation. And I, I know that I have. Mine was overpricing. I, I know. Mine was, <laughs> um, I don't know that this fits. You, you can tell me if it, if it fits. Okay. Okay. Um, okay. This was like, a long time ago. Um, I was hosting, I was hosting something at my, at our house and a sibling had relayed a comment that my dad had said, which hello is like the marker for trouble. Number one, don't gossip about other kids to your other kids. And number two, don't repeat it to your siblings. (laughs) Like, hello. Um, Although me and my sister have a really good time every other week at dinner. We don't gossip. 
Um, but, uh, so it was a comment that was said to a sibling that was then repeated back to me. And it was about, um, that my dad was, if, if our children behaved in a certain way and by children, I mean our oldest child, Megan, um, behaved in a certain way and we didn't discipline her to his satisfaction, then he would leave. I called him to ask him if that's what he had said. And he said, yes. And um, so here, so here's what happened. I called him. No, I didn't like what he had to say about my parenting. And he didn't like how I parented. So I didn't speak to my dad for like nine months. Okay. And I don't know. And, and I'm trying to think of like where that was in my parenting journey because my parenting has changed a lot in 23 years. Right, she's 23, right? <laughs> yes. Um, and so I, I don't know if that was like before I had my change or, or, or after. Because if it was, if it was before... I was most definitely fighting for my limitations. If it was after, I just believed that my dad was wrong and I was fighting for my right to discipline the way that I saw fit. Gotcha. Does that make sense? Yes. I, I'm following so, you. So so like that that's the big that's the biggest one would would be my parenting. And how I parented. Did anybody try to suggest to you that it didn't have to be that way, but you were still saying no? If the, I'm telling you, there's no way that I can have a good relationship with my dad and still parent the way that I want to parent. Oh, yeah. Okay, so that would so if you if you had conversations with people like that, and then you said no, I the only way for me to feel good as a parent and stuff like this is to not talk to my dad. If my dad feels that way, I don't want to be in relationship with him. And if I'm going to be in relationship with him, then I'm I'm going to feel I'm going to feel bad. And so and and so that would be the argumentation of a limitation. Okay. Yeah. So you did so, experience yeah, that. I did experience that. Yeah. For me, it was when I went to my mastermind group and said, "Hey guys, I've been charging $150 an hour. I think I'm, I'm thinking about raising my rates to $200 an hour. What do you think?" And they all said, they all unanimously agreed, that is a terrible idea. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I thought I was the only one that felt really bad about doing this. So you should think I should keep my rates at 150 is what I'm immediately thinking in my mind. No. But they did. They, That's they not did, what they... They were saying, no, Cliff, you need to double your rates to $300 an hour. And I'm like, what? No way. Nobody's ever going to pay me $300 an hour for a one hour conversation over the telephone. And and not only would people not do it, even if they would, it would actually outprice some of the people that I most want to serve. And these people can't afford $300 an hour and blah, 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 blah. And I, I literally went on for one hour arguing and clinging to my limitation. What I, my view, my perception of what is possible for one hour. By the end of that call, they were not successful in changing my views. Mm -hmm. 
But instead, at the end of the call, they said, okay, here's our updated revised advice. Go ahead and increase your rates to $200 an hour. And whatever you do, don't go and change your rates to $300. Because based upon your belief system, you will not be able to get somebody to hire you because at $300. Because you don't believe that you can. Because you don't think you're worthy, worthy of $300 an hour, you will not be able to adequately convey your confidence when you ask people to pay you that much. So by all means, go ahead, change your rates to $200. I rate, changed my rates to $200. And six weeks later, I was still booked solid, same amount of calls, and now I'm making you know fifty dollars more per session, and it wasn't making a big difference. And, and go ahead. I'm just I was fighting for my limitation. For I was fighting for myself. What he I I I don't know how to word that um, because I wasn't parenting the way that he wanted um, because I wouldn't discipline my children in front of people. I waited until everyone was gone if discipline was needed. And um, anyway, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but that's, that, okay. that's just where. So I, I was fighting for how I wanted. I, I was fighting for what I believed for how I wanted to parent, which wasn't a limitation, but it was a belief. Well, your, your, so, be- your belief is that you need it to, to be in relationship with your dad you to be in a good relationship with your dad he had to be okay with how you chose to to parent whether he agreed with it or not um the thing i is- think that that statement would be yes in a subconscious form mm-hmm. but i think what i was fighting for was the respect and the ability to parent the way i wanted to Right. And, and, and potentially, is it possible that requi- your quote-unquote c- need of that respect could be a limitation in competition with yes. your need or desire or want to be in good relationship with your father? Yes, those were my limitations. So, so yeah, I mean, we all have these. And, and even well, I was just trying to name the correct limitation because my parenting wasn't the limitation. Your parenting was not the limitation. It was your belief. It was your, your limitation was your belief about either I need to change how I discipline my parent or my children or I need to uh, just stay away from my dad when it's possible that you could have been completely fine and and zero Fs given about your dad's opinion about your parenting, what he would say. I to gained your... that in those nine months of not speaking to him. <laughs> there you go. Because I, 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 I came to a realization that if he can give zero Fs about giving his opinion, I can give zero about taking it. There you go. So. Ah, anyway. Didn't I say a few weeks ago because what my dad says doesn't matter? I think so. Which would actually translate to my dad's beliefs don't have they don't have to influence direct yours. influence direct power of influence over mine yeah that's what that's what that actually means my dad does matter yes he does anyway go ahead okay so and by the way just to wrap up that story i six weeks later i was book solid and three hundred and, 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 and well i read an article set that's titled seven reasons why people want to pay you more and the subtitle was Seven Reasons Why Doubling Your Rates Doubles Your Success. I read this article and 
instantly had all the faith that I needed to change my rates to $300 an hour. And then I did go back to the ma- to to the uh, mastermind group. I think it was about maybe six months later. I said, hey, guys, remember that pricing discussion? I finally got around <laughs> I think to following. I to have it again. And I said, should I go from $300 an hour to $500 an hour? Or should I go to $300 an hour to $1,500 an hour? That's exactly what I asked them. And the advice that was given to me was stop doing one-on-one coaching. Yep. And I did. And my, yeah. Anyway, fun stories, man. There's so much. All right. So anyway, you're saying that Lois was quite stubborn, uh, clinging to to her her views. And here's a quote from the book. It took us a few sessions to unwind the set of limiting beliefs she clung to around the availability of men. Um, finally, she realized that it didn't matter if men were scarce. All she needed was one. <laughs> In a pivotal session, she made a firm, heartfelt commitment to attracting and keeping a healthy, loving relationship with a man. After her breakthrough, she called to cancel her next session. Uh, she had met a man two days after that session that where she had the breakthrough and had spent the most romantic weekend of her life with him. She expressed her immense gratitude for helping uh, uh, for helping her experience this massive breakthrough. And then Gay says, You should pick up a side job as reading. <laughs> you crack me up. I gently suggested that this was just the time she should come in. I explained that while breakthroughs are important and thrilling, it's the subsequent stabilization and integration of the breakthrough into daily life that really allows the changes to be permanent. Yep. She listened politely, but she did not schedule the next call. All right. Uh, I wouldn't either. He's very, very condescending and down talking. <laughs> But that's just me. About six months later, I got an urgent message for Lois. All right. So Lois calls. And what happened, Steph? Her new husband, so they got married, um, had counseled her on an investment that had caused her to lose over $200,000 virtually overnight. He had some inside information. Okay, never use it. <laughs> I think that's illegal, isn't it? On a stock that was supposed to go up, but that instead went down. The sure thing was going to double her money overnight, but instead wiped her out completely. Yep. And then uh, there's a dialogue that he captures in the book. What should I do? She asked. Should I throw him out or leave? Or, and Gay says, hold on. Has he ever done anything like this before? No, she said. And what's his behavior been like over the past few months? Wonderful, she said. I've never been happier in my life until this happened. And then Gay asked, what does he do for work? She says, he's a software designer. He consults for different high-tech companies. And Gay asks, so does he make a good living doing that? Pretty good, she said. But he's kind of a frugal person, so he doesn't need a huge income. Gay says, let me ask. I'm going to read this part. Your reading is cracking me up. (laughs) Let me ask you a question. Do you not like my reading? Uh, Actually, I should be him and you should be her. All right. (laughs) That'll be more fun. (laughs) Okay, let's do that. You, you, You finish it up here. Let me ask you a question. What gave you the idea you should take investment advice from him? 
There was a long silence. There's a long silence. Finally, she said, Oh my God. What's happening? I just realized that I love him so much that it never occurred to me that he was flawed. I asked her to consider the judgment that he was flawed. I told her he's not necessarily flawed. You're the savvy business person who chose to take investment advice from a software designer. Whoops. Ah, how is that's not condescending uh, at all. That's just speaking truth. It's the way he read it. <laughs> Remember, I listened to him read his own book. <laughs> I heard his words from his own mouth. It's the way he said it. That's hilarious. Uh, then she said, damn you, you're right. I, that's my line. I don't care. I wanted to curse. <laughs> And do you know how many times in my life I've said that? I hazard a guest. Never. Uh, and again, she uttered the magic phrase, you're right, zero. Uh, I can't remember even admitting somebody else was right. That's sad. Mm-hmm. Like, to have to be the one who's right all the time. I have been there before. I know. I've been on the receiving end. I know. <laughs> I, I'm much better about that today. I, it, and it, the crazy thing is, is when you and I were newly married, I won't say names, but we used to spend a lot of time with a married couple, and her husband was annoyingly always right. Not that he was always right, but in his mind, he was always right. And it annoyed the heck out of me. That's funny. That's exactly what you were right. I, it, that's ex- that's what I'm saying. Sometimes what I've learned in life is when I feel triggered by somebody else's behavior, it's often because they're mirroring back something that I unconsciously don't like in myself. Are you... Um, so are you saying that his behavior triggered you to write me that letter? No. <laughs> About all of my flaws. <laughs> I did write Stephanie a letter after a few months of being married of all of the flaws that I had noticed in it my wife. Really, it was like 16 pages long. It was, it was I not, am not perfect. It was not my brightest moment. <laughs> I was not spreading light and love. It wasn't bright at all. It was dark. Oh my gosh. Okay. I suggested that it might be a useful skill to learn... If she wanted to have a happy marriage, to not being right all the time. Um, to I, admitting. To admitting. Yeah, I told her that I had found it a great addition to my own communication repertoire. Um, on occasions, there there, on the occasions when I said you're right in my own marriage, I noticed that Catherine, or Kathleen, um, responded as if she were hearing the sweet sounds of Mozart, of a Mozart concerto. Yeah, you should hear him read that part too. <laughs> then, toward the end of the session, I asked a question that can shine a light on an upper limit problem. So before we do that, yes, I want to go back to this. Oh, uh, first of all, um, this whole "I'm right, you've got a flaw." You know, this whole thing, the communication tool, rather than you're wrong and I'm right, which half the times, some of the things that we think that we perceive that what they're saying or what they're believing or what they're doing, we think that they're saying something that's opposed to what we believe, right? When in fact, that's not what they're saying. 
most of the, what I found is that's not what Stephanie was saying most of the time. And one of the most powerful things that I learned to say as a husband is not, you are right. Um, but the most powerful thing I learned in communication is what I'm hearing you say is this. And then putting to words what I perceive. Your interpretation. My interpretation of what you're saying. That's my words. And it's shocking to me the number of times that Stephanie said, no, I'm not saying that. And I had to say, but what I heard you say, now I got to tell you, it took a long time to learn that little nuance right there. But what I heard you say, let me say, if you're taking notes here, you might want to take some notes. Go back a couple seconds. Start writing some of this stuff down. Here, what I heard you say, because what I used to do is, no, you said, and you're like, I did not say that. Yes, you did. You said and, and that's how our that's how things used to go down. But man, when I started to say, Listen, so what I hear you saying, and you're like, no. But seriously, what I heard you say was, and then I would try to repeat it word for word. Well, maybe I use those words, but what you're what you're coming away, from, I don't mean it that way. Well, then what do so you? So then mean? you have to find new words. And this changed. Or I have to find new words. This changed everything. And it's not that all of a sudden, you know, that solved. It's like, oh my gosh, my wife actually thinks the way that I do and all is good in the world. It's not that. Sometimes it, it still comes out, but I can tell you right now, how many arguments have we uh, deflected by incredible, yeah, by communicating instead of saying you are wrong and I am right or instead of saying you said, but you said this and it's like, well, no, I didn't. And you By saying, well, what I heard you say was this. Um, so I, I just, I just love those kind of things. And I think that's an important thing that we could do here, but here's what I will say. If this quote unquote argument is happening from an unconscious perspective because all of a sudden your relationship is going too good and you don't feel like you're worthy of staying married for an incredibly long period of time, then (laughs) You're, I'm sorry, but you're gonna have to. You're gonna have to either deal with your upper limit problem consciously, or you're going to have to go ahead and have the drama and 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 lose the relationship. It's completely up to you which one you choose. So anyway, go ahead and read the last lines there, or at Wait, least the where? next section. The, um, toward the end. Yeah. Is that where I am? It's yeah. Then towards the end of the session. Uh, I asked a question that can shine a light on the upper lunar problem. Lois, why do you think this money incident happened at this particular time in your life? Long silence. Finally, she said, I think I got happier than I have ever, than I ever could, than imagined I, I, I could. imagined I could. Um, then some part of me reared up and grabbed me. Some part of me that didn't think I deserved it. I created this drama with Larry to find something wrong with him, to give me an excuse to end the relationship, all because I think I don't deserve to be this happy. So, I said, let's make a new deal between you and the universe right now. Are you willing to be wealthy in both money and love? She took a deep breath and said yes. I complimented her on her insight and her willingness to make a new commitment to feeling fulfilled in both financial and romantic terms um i don't know if you have this because i'm i'm not looking 
but um, one thing that I love is that then they came back as a couple and met with him. Oh, I didn't put that in here, I don't think. So, um, Tell us a little bit about what stood out to you about that. That they were willing to put in the work. Like, oh, yeah. That, that they were willing to, um, to have the same language, to have... Um, to have a common ground to like they were they were willing to do it to to make their relationship work. Yeah. That's one of my favorite things that Ray Edwards told me when I was thinking about going to my very first ever Tony Robbins conference. He says, "I highly recommend that you take Stephanie with you." And I'm like, "Why is that?" He goes, "Because if you go to the Tony's Ro- Robbins event, knowing what I know about you, Cliff, that weekend will change you." And you are going to get be giving tool. You're going to be given tools and resources that will radically shift the way that you think and how you see the world. You will come back from that experience a completely different person. And I would just encourage you to have Stephanie come so that you can actually have the shared experience and you can share that language. Because if you try to, if you go back and come back a different person, I don't think you're going to struggle with trying to change Stephanie, but you're, you're, you will, you will struggle to try to communicate to her in a few changes, your few, in a few conversations, what you experienced over a four day event. Like me trying to explain what I experienced in Colorado. Exactly. Yeah. And so he says, if you can go, you guys will have this shared experience. I mean, you'll each get take away different things and stuff like that. But at least the main foundation, you will have a shared language and you will have a shared experience. And that's what I love about that. This is so funny. So I just mentioned earlier that um, about the cold and being in Colorado in February and and um and how that was was a radical experience um, that I was able to have, even though it was cool. like, anyway. But at the Tony Robbins event, because you know he's a robot and has to keep the room at like <laughs> freezer temperatures. Um, <laughs> God love him. I actually missed a great portion of of one day because the cold threw me into a migraine. Um, not just the cold, but the cold and the lack of sleep and like all of these things um, threw me into a migraine. And so I missed like a good portion of... Was it day three, I think? I think it might have been day three. And they call that transformation and, day. Right. Um, I wonder if that's because it's not supposed to mess with my already transformation. Well... <laughs> like, um, th- that, that's just something I've wondered. Well, I, I can tell you right now, because I've been through Unleash the Power Within multiple times twice at the live event and once with his virtual event and i can tell you what you experienced in colorado was my transformation was your transformation Mm -hmm. event so um but anyway but it's funny that that it's not funny is the wrong word um that i had a transformation experience in the frigid cold but this frigid cold threw me into migraine which yeah. then you know i i missed the transformation experience so anyway yeah. just just the i don't know not parallels but perpendiculars i guess yep um but aside from all of that what i was saying was i love that they went together 
and that um, as a couple to sit down with him and build on that foundation. Like they had the love, they, 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 they loved each other, they wanted to be together, um, but they were willing to break limiting beliefs and break um, the upper limit problems and, and build a solid foundation. Yeah. And what I what I love about this is is it's very clear through this documented conversation. It's very clear that she's like, listen, obviously it seems to me this relationship's probably doomed and is over. I did I, I was so passionately, madly in love and in and all this stuff. I didn't see just how flawed he is. And it, and and I love this like, wait a second. You're the savvy businesswoman who took investment advice from a frugal software engineer who doesn't yes. need to earn much. Also, I, they, they, so they tell his side of the story in that he was intimidated by her yes. and he wanted to connect with her on, you know, he wanted to, to ne- connect with her in this field that she was great at. And so he had heard this and he gave and her, he oversold the, I, he oversold, the, yeah. his, the confidence of the, of the information. Because he wanted to fit in. Yeah. So. Yeah. And, and yeah. So anyway, it, it, it's, it's a great story. That's why when I got this far into the book, I pretty much bookmarked right after this section because I'm like, here we are one hour, five minutes into this recording and we're just now wrapping up. And that's why I knew we we're going to put off the rest of chapter two. So the final little part here, six months into the, into a close relationship is about when the big issues begin to surface. Uh, at that point, most of us don't say, oh, I'm about six months into this wonderful relationship. It's about time for my big issues to come up and cause me to sabotage the relationship. Instead, most of us go to the opposite extreme. We herald this time of deepening by seeing a fault or flaw in the other person then studying it so microscopically that it expands into a vast new field of scientific inquiry. You love that part. I do, because Gay Hendricks wrote this book, I don't know how many years ago, but it was way after you and I were married. We, I never read this book until September, for the first time until September 2017. You, you and I, we got married in August of 1996 yep and within about six months i wrote you a letter detailing word by word every flaw that i had noticed in you mm-hmm. hmm is it i mean seriously think think about that 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 occurred right in 1996 it- yeah. About within six months of us being married, we were madly in love with six one another. Six months into us being married would have been 97, but okay. Okay. But we were madly in love with one another. Not after that letter. <laughs> and, and then I write you a letter with, and I detailed every I still have short, it. I know. Every shortcoming I saw in you. Yeah. Actually, I don't know if I still had it. I did for a long time. Now, think about this. And here in September of 2017, for the first time, I'm reading this. Usually six months into a close relationship is about when the big issues begin to surface. 
but we, why didn't it happen six months into dating? Why did it happen six months because into because into the dating? There, I think there's a difference between you're still in the honeymoon phase. You're, you're still in that. Yeah, you're still in that. You know, the adventure of I haven't landed. Now you're married. You're like. Holy crap, what did I do? <laughs> there may be a little bit to that as well. I can tell you that six months into our marriage, the only flaw that I saw in you was the need to write that letter. <laughs> <laughs> because I said I accepted that neither of us were perfect. Yeah. Well, I, I'm so thankful we made it past that sabotaging. Me too, because I almost got out of the passenger seat into the driver's seat and went back to my dad's house, and that would have been very wrong. Yeah, well, I, it, it would have been what it was, and I would have deserved it. There's no doubt about that. But um, Oh, I'm just talking about my personal, like, that would have been the wrong place to go. <laughs> <laughs> gotcha. Anyway, I, I just wanted to say I, I really love, there, there's a reason why I really resonate with this book. I, I think it's fun that we're going through this book and you don't resonate with Gay Hendricks at all. Um, but I think that what we're going to cover in next week's episode uh, is going to be something that whether you resonate with Gay Hendricks, the four hidden barriers are so universal that that we're going to have some good dialogue about that. Okay. All right? Yep. See, there we go. We we just did an, another one hour plus episode on like, f- what, three pages? Was it's it th- like we're out of practice at getting these right at an hour. <laughs> I stopped, we did that for years. <laughs> I stopped trying to, to limit myself to an hour. Smart. Ste- Stephanie, I love you. I love you too. I think you're awesome. Thank you. And I enjoy the life and business that we are building <laughs> and have built together. And our dog is no longer patiently laying on the pillow. He's like, okay, guys, it sounds like you're about ready to wrap up here. Yeah. He had a good nap, though. He did have a good nap. And and I get to post that picture on Instagram. It's a really cute picture. All right. We still haven't come up with that thing at the end of the episode. Until next time, we encourage you to... By the way, this episode is sponsored by the Next Level Mastermind uh, couples group for entrepreneurial couples that starts next week actually our first meeting uh, with the first couple who has already joined our group we start next wednesday oh that's another thing for those of you who are tuning into our clubhouses live there'll be a new schedule for our live sessions on clubhouse we're going to meet earlier on wednesdays because our new mastermind group starts at 5 p.m i don't know you just gotta tell me when to be here i'm pretty sure it's 5 p.m i think we meet from 5 p.m it's not on my calendar yet from 5 p.m. to 6.30 p.m. every Wednesday night. Okay. So we would need to be done here by 5 p.m. And yes. actually, you know what? Here we are at 4.42. Uh, but that would only leave me, like, if I stopped this thing now, that'd leave me 15 minutes to get this thing over to the computer and publish it, which is fine. But then I'd be jumping straight into the call. Right. So I think that our clubhouse will probably start at 2.30 instead of 3.30. That'll probably work. Sweet. Very good. Um, Until next time, did you get, did you come up with something? Build a better foundation. I'm still working with it. All right. We'll, we'll go with that. But it's going to go something like that. Something like that. To be determined. Yes. <laughs>